Who's the most important component in a man with prostate cancer? Is it his doctor? I would argue is you, his wife, his spouse. Today, in observance for Mother's Day, we're going to honor the amazing women in men with prostate cancer. Let's go. Welcome to the Dr. Geo Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Geo, where I try to provide you with clinical insights and some of my research that will help you improve your urological function and live better with age. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different. Today, I'm going to honor the moms involved in men with prostate cancer. Now, I do know that not all partners are females, and I do know that not all female partners are moms. So this is a general overview, but most of the patients that I've seen with prostate cancer who bring in their partners are moms. So I'm going to honor the moms for Mother's Day. If you listen to this this week, happy Mother's Day. Or if you listen to it whenever you listen to it, happy Mother's Day, because every day is Mother's Day, right? (laughs) But this weekend here in the U.S., we're celebrating Mother's Day. So here we go. So the partner of the prostate cancer patient, how does that work? What do you need to know? There's numerous things. So I've had the privilege of seeing many prostate cancer patients with their spouses. And so one of my first rules when they come in for their first visit is, hey, I'm not seeing you (laughs) without your wife. You need to bring your wife to the visit. Why is that? Well, you got to understand when a man is diagnosed with prostate cancer, first of all, men, while men can be tough and show prowess and perhaps do well in business oftentimes and do well in life, hard workers, manly men, tough. Men also have weaknesses and areas where they feel really weakened. And so the tougher the man, or at least the appearance of the, the tougher a man appears to be, there's equal fear and weakness that a man would have. And so anytime a man is faced with their mortality or potential mortality, psychologically, they are sort of frozen a little bit. They're trying to, you know, they're stuck psychologically. So that's why when a man is diagnosed with prostate cancer, oftentimes they don't listen to, they can't hear whatever else the doctor is saying after that. Right. So Mr. Jones, you have prostate cancer, you have a Gleason. After that, it's just like, Charlie Brown episode. Like, they can't listen to anything else that the physician is saying after that. So it's really important for a partner, particularly women, and why women? I don't know. This is not evident. This is just my opinion. But women are just really good at taking notes and asking really good questions, way more than we are, just the way it is. My opinion. I'm sure. I wonder if there's something scientifically written on that. I don't know, but that's my opinion. They take great notes. They ask great questions. You're only going to get answers, good answers from your physician when you're either, when you have a high PSA going to your doctor or you are diagnosed with prostate cancer, 
you're only going to get good answers if you ask good questions. And I don't think that we are made <laughs> or built to ask these kind of questions as it relates to our health. Yes, we ask good questions and typically in business. Yes, we ask good questions in our work environment oftentimes and our finances oftentimes and those kind of things. But as it relates to our own health, I don't think we're wired as well as women to ask the right questions. So he has good questions, Dr. Smith. So what are the side effects from these treatments that you're offering? Dr. Smith, what are my options other than surgery and radiation? Are there any options here that we have potentially that you don't do? You don't do any of those treatments. Are there any other option treatments available for us, for my husband? Dr. Smith, how experienced are you in the surgery? How many have you done? What's your side effect profile, adverse event profile after surgery? So how many retain their erectile function? How many retain their continence in your experience? And how does that compare to the average of men who retain their continence and erectile function after surgery? What are the side effects from the, from the radiation? Does the radiation pass the prostate? It goes to the rectum, this type of radiation. What's the difference between a radiation that you offer and other forms of radiation that are available? These are good questions. And typically, these are questions that oftentimes women ask. And again, I'm saying women, again, it could be a partner, probably any gender, but this is my opinion. They're taking better notes. They're listening. While the man is still trying to figure out, oh, shoot, I'm going to die. I've just been diagnosed with prostate cancer and all the stories and the monkey brain that's going on in their head. Women are taking good notes, putting together a plan, right? So I think it's really important for women to show up. The partner of the man with prostate cancer to show up to their medical visits. They ask me great questions. I love to be asked great questions. I mean, I do spend 45 minutes to 60 minutes with each patient. So we have plenty of time to cover things, but I have to say that I could spend three hours with each patient going over all the details that is important for a man to make the right decision or important for them to understand the protocols that I'm giving them. And women ask better questions. He's already taking vitamin D. Does he need extra vitamin D? How much curcumin? Uh, you're giving us 1,000 milligrams, let's just say. I give patients anywhere from 1,000 milligrams of curcumin to 4,000 or 6,000. But let's just say, you know, can we take, we heard you in some other talk online. Can we give them 3,000 milligrams as opposed to 1,000? Why? Yeah, good questions to ask because you need to understand what you're doing before you start doing it. That's going to keep you compliant. So ladies, kudos to you. Kudos to you. Kudos to you. Now I will tell you, partner, female partner, I will tell you that you want to make sure that you take care of your own health and you don't sacrifice your health in order to take care of others. So that's the other thing that I've seen. And again, there's a nature component to that. There's a natural process where women are the caretaker, typically. They take care of their kids. They take care of husbands and everyone. Kudos to you. I love to be taken care of by my wife. I think that 
it's awesome that you do that. Now, sometimes what ends up happening is that you sacrifice your own health. So you really need to understand you can't take care of others unless you take care of yourself. You need to set out me time for your own workouts, exercise, and general well-being. The better you do in that regard, the better you'll be able to help your husband through the process, after treatment perhaps, the better you'll be able to take care of others. So that you have to practice, and I know this is difficult for women, you have to practice a tad of selfishness. To be a little bit selfish, a little bit, right? That's a difficult thing for you, I know. Practice it a little bit. If you do, then A, you will not get ill yourself, and B, you will actually do probably even a better job in taking care of everyone else. Many of you ladies set up your husband's supplements and make sure that they take what they're supposed to take and prepare the meals, uh, the healthier meals for them, and kudos to you. Kudos to you. You're awesome. You're awesome. Again, take care of yourself while you do so. All right. How about sex after treatment? So I had recently a... Uh... <laughs> so for those of you who are listening who've never had to deal with prostate cancer, one of the fears with what many of the treatments is erectile dysfunction. And one would think that, of course, a man wants erections and that's a big part of their life. And it is. Oftentimes, men make decisions based on their ability to function sexually. They, they make treatment decisions for their prostate cancer based on the side effect profile of those treatments for ED. And so we think that it's just for the male benefit. But oftentimes, amazingly enough, women raise their hand and they're the first ones to say, hey, how about erectile dysfunction? And you know, how about me? Right? I too enjoy sexual activity with my husband. And I want to make sure that he retains that function. If possible, sure, I want him to be alive. That's first and foremost. But we want him to be alive and retain sexual function so that we can continue to enjoy sexual activity together. And that is beautiful. Now, I know that many of you ladies perhaps have lost desire, sexual desire. Perhaps you're probably postmenopause, so you're a little drier in your vaginal area. This is real. I'm not judging it. Look, sexuality is all about uh, sexual compatibility. So if both parties are sexually active and want to continue to be sexually active, great. If both parties don't care to be sexually active and they find other ways of appreciating each other and having intimacy other than, other than intercourse, right? So sexual, sexual health is more than intercourse. There's other methods that we're not going to talk about now, but sexual health is more than just sexual intercourse. If there's no desire with both parties, great. But if there's desire from one party and not the other, I think that there's an opportunity there to figure that out and work that out. Look, there's a lot of um, sexual health coaches out there and, and psychologists and therapists that do an amazing job in terms of couples therapy for sexual health and benefit. So I would look into that, but I don't want to digress too much. The bottom line is that women care very much. Many women care very much about sexual activity with their husbands. And they're the first ones to raise their hands and ask questions. So 
kudos to you if that's you. And if that's not you, it's okay just as long as you have sexual compatibility with your with your partner. And I, I had a case like that recently where a young, very, uh, well, young, I mean, 52-year-old woman with her 58-year-old husband, hey, can we get this guy going again? I mean, we need to get him, we need to get him sexual. And the guy's on um, androgen deprivation therapy, ADT, with still some desire. So uh, there is some possibility of men on ADT to have sexual desire. Again, different story for a different day. However, she's she's asking her, how does this sexual penile rehabilitation thing work? And can we get them going? And I said, that is awesome. That is awesome. Okay. So that's that component. So let me bring bring it back a little bit. So for the medical visit, you want to bring your spouse. And ladies, you, you want to go for the reasons that we just highlighted. Deciding on treatment for prostate cancer. Ladies, your husband, the prostate cancer patient, needs to ultimately make that decision. It's his body. And I know that's, that sounds like it's a no-brainer. Of course, Dr. G, of course, he, he should make the decision. Well, that sometimes I see that the decision is driven by the spouse. Now, you are an important component of that decision-making. Look, prostate cancer affects everyone in a family, not just the patient. I get that. But he needs to have control. You got to understand the psychology with the man with prostate cancer is fear, is I am no longer in control. Men like to have control. It's good and fine, but we know that we cannot have control of everything. And that's what stresses men quite a bit. The fact that is the unknown, the thing that they can't control. But so this is a stressful situation because they're, they feel like it's out of control. They feel like someone else, my life, my health, my body's in someone else's hands. So they're already going through that psychologically. You and your spouse, your partner, need to talk about it, talk it through, talk about it objectively, put the facts down on paper, pros and cons for every treatment option. And then he needs to go away and figure it out on his own and go into his intuition, right? Tap into his intuition to make the decision of what the right medical treatment is for him. Okay. So it's very important that you understand that and not overimpose your opinion. Sure, you can share your opinion and see what's best for your husband after you've looked at the pros and cons, but ultimately he needs to make that decision for himself. And your job is really just to be supportive in that situation. Okay. Be supportive, which again, kudos to you. Many of you are. And by the way, if there's someone listening here who don't have a partner and going through prostate cancer, you too will do fine. Bring a friend, bring a sister, bring a, a partner, anyone, but bring someone with you and you'll, you too will be fine. We're just honoring today the women involved in this process for Mother's Day. That's what we're doing. All right. So in that decision-making, let him decide the treatment. The other thing I would say is, this is a little bit as an aside, but I'm always curious to figure out, well, who should you tell? 
who should know about this prostate cancer scenario? Who should you tell? My opinion is that there are two people that should know, and probably that's it. The spouse and either whoever is the top, the other person you work with or work for in your business. So your boss or your business partner. And that should be about it. Maybe some exceptions to that. Maybe a friend who already gone through it, uh, had prostate cancer surgery, let's say, and he can share some good insights. But in general, you don't want to be the prostate cancer guy. You don't want to be the cancer guy. So there's really nothing to talk about. In general, prostate cancer will not kill you in general. And if there's a high risk of high-risk disease, very aggressive disease, Gleason 9, you're still not going to likely die from prostate cancer anytime soon or ever if you get the proper treatment and improve your lifestyle. Okay? You don't really need to tell too many people. Okay, Dr. GL, should we tell the kids? Well, that depends. What Again, what is the benefit of you telling people? Well, the benefit with telling your partner is, hey, I'm going to be out for three to four weeks, so you need to hold it down. I have to get this surgery or radiation done. I'm going to be a little bit off the grid, right? Clearly, your partner who's going to be part of that process. There's benefit there. Benefit with telling the kids depends. What's the benefit? Are the kids going to be more concerned? Because remember, these are kids. And I don't care if they're older kids in their 20s. These are kids. If you tell, well, dad was just diagnosed with prostate cancer, he's going to need surgery. The kid is not hearing prostate cancer. The kid is hearing cancer. So that may induce a little bit more anxiety and worry to the kid unnecessarily. Okay? So unless the kid lives at home and then he or she needs to know, because he's, dad is going to be away for th- you know, a week or go to the hospital for a week and then come back and recover. And so that the kid needs to know. But the, if the kid does not live in your home and your child lives somewhere else away for school or already just live out of the house, then I'm not sure that it's something that you need to share with them. It's up to you. Same thing with friends. Every time you have an event, it's like, hey, how's the cancer? Well, you don't want to be the cancer patient. You don't want to walk around as the cancer patient. So there's no upside there. That's my opinion. And again, I've seen a lot of cases and I've never seen how that truly works well. More empathy? You may not need that. You may not need more empathy or you may. I don't know. You get enough from perhaps your partner. So that's that. Back to the ladies. Back to the ladies. We already spoke about taking care of yourself, going to the visit and treatment decision-making, let him decide, self-care, self-care, very important. Then in terms of post-prostate treatment, what do you do? What do you do post-prostate treatment? Well, you do what you've been doing. Again, self-care, Don't let's not forget about self-care, but you keep doing what you've been doing. You You continue to perhaps create the meals that that you've created, the healthier meals, the anti-cancer meals, you have to understand, Mrs. Spouse, that now he doesn't have a prostate. Men tend to feel a little bit less manly after their prostate is removed, not too different than women 
when they get their breast removed. Now, Dr. Gio, that's silly because breasts are outside the body and the prostate is inside the body. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Still, this is a major component of their sexuality that is removed. You got to understand that's what's happening. And this is not while they're on ADT. Let's just say they get their prostate removed. And with other treatments, not so much. With radiation, not so much. With other treatments that where their prostate stays intact, not so much. Mostly, this is a scenario where the prostate is removed, where they feel a little bit not, you know, off. So they come home, they have a catheter inside, they're uncomfortable, go and do the walks. Make sure that they're walking and walk with them. You know, talk about pleasant things. Not to ignore the reality of surgery and the fact that he has a catheter in them and a bag around his leg. You don't have to ignore that. But, you know, have pleasant conversations. Go for walks. It would be a good thing, Mrs. Spouse, if you do the lifestyle changes with him, the better eating, the exercise. And it's, it would be a good thing. You don't have to, but it'll be good for you. It'll be easier for him to stay with the program if you are part of it, as opposed to creating two different meals, one for him and one for you. There's going to be difficult for him to stay on the, on the program. So it'll be a good thing for you. So after he comes home, let's say from surgery, you know, go for your walks, have pleasant conversations and understand what's going on in his psychology. You may want to just support his manhood in air quotes, support his manhood. Okay. Support him through this process. You don't have to, oh, you're still the man. You don't have to say that. Just support him. Let him make decisions. You know, maybe, Hey, you look great. You look great today, Tom. You look amazing. Uh, That kind of stuff. Sexuality after prostate surgery or prostate treatment requires three things. Requires, if it's surgery, a good surgeon that spares at least one nerve bundle. So the nerves that innervate the penis come from both sides of the prostate. All you need is one for sexual function. Also depends, the second thing it depends on is the sexual health of the patient his ability to get erections before surgery. So if he's good and doesn't have diabetes and doesn't have comorbidities, then he should be in good shape. And then the third thing, Mrs. Spouse, is you and your ability to not, you don't have to throw on lingerie unless you want to. You don't have to be ultra sexy unless you want to. But the more he can have fun and you guys can just play around, with no expectations of him getting an erection, the higher the likelihood of him getting an erection where he can perform sexually through sexual intercourse. So really is about, is a, it's a matter of a glass of wine, having fun, playing around and see what happens if nothing happens. From an intercourse perspective, again, there's many ways of being sexually active and getting orgasms that's not through intercourse. But if intercourse is part of the goal, your job is to just play around and have a good time. Now, he's afraid, understand what's happening. After a prostatectomy, if he's still leaking urine and he's not controlling that, then all bets are off because he's fearful of urinating inside of you. Okay? So this will work best after he's dry, what they call dry, meaning he doesn't have urinary incontinence or less urinary incontinence. Okay. But again, 
fool around, have fun, have a good time. And then moving forward is just the same thing after prostate cancer treatment. If it's radiation and hormone therapy, actually, let's talk about that for a second. If it's hormone therapy, so hormone deprivation therapy where his testosterone now is zero or close to zero, it's a whole different ballgame. So you got to understand what's happening. If he's had his prostate removed, there's already a psychology of feeling a little bit less manly. If he's also on hormone deprivation therapy after that, then even more so because now he has no testosterone. And you can see the difference because he will be a little bit, well, I would say that he will be a little bit more of who he is <laughs> for better or for worse. So if he's an irritable type of person, then after hormone therapy, he'll be even more irritable. If he's a gentle, kind person, then he'll be even more gentle and kind, even to detriment. He will be very emotional more than usual. He would cry during the sad part of a movie. He would cry when, you know, he sees he, his daughter get married. And probably that would happen anyway, but it would certainly happen during hormone deprivation therapy. You get what I'm saying, right? So he's a little, you know, this is a big change happening with, with no testosterone. Support that and how you can support that is just by being your awesome self, Mrs. Spouse, and making him feel good about himself. Okay. Remember to keep doing things to make you feel good about yourself, Mrs. Spouse. And that includes self-preservation and self-care. It's I, I have to keep saying that because I just see too many women just giving their souls up for for their families and, and losing themselves. And sacrificing their own health. And I just don't see that as a good thing. That's the deal. That's the whole deal here. I want to honor you, the women in this battle against prostate cancer, that I think you are overlooked and you shouldn't be. You are an important component to the whole picture. You're an important component to your husband. You're an important component to your family. You are oftentimes the backbone of your family. You're an awesome mom. And I want to honor you today. Your family and your husband post prostate cancer does better because you are in their lives. So I hope you have an amazing Mother's Day. And if you're not a mother and you are that awesome spouse, have an amazing Mother's Day still. I'm sure you played the mother role to someone out there. That's not your husband, by the way. <laughs> I always, my wife would say, yeah, we have four kids. Gio is one of them, right? So have a great day. Enjoy this week. This is Dr. Gio signing off. I'll talk to you next time. Peace. Much love. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Dr. Gio podcast. You can watch all episodes of this podcast and much more by subscribing to my YouTube channel on youtube.com forward slash Gio Espinoza ND. If you love what you heard today, you can help by leaving a five-star review of the podcast on Apple and Spotify as each review helps us reach more men who are serious about improving their urological health and how to function better with age. And for the latest research and actionable takeaways in a world of men's health, and integrative urology, sign up for my newsletter at drgeo.com. I'll see you next time. 
And now for a brief disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only, and we're not forming a doctor-patient relationship through this medium. The use of the information and all links associated with this podcast is at the listener's risk and is not to replace medical advice from a physician or a healthcare practitioner. Lastly, thoughts and opinions related to this podcast are my own and may not reflect the views of any institution or organization I'm associated with.